Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, episode 64, Gen Con 2012 Review, part the second. Anyway, so I guess we should talk about the games we played at Gen Con. Well, we are, you are talking about a game you played at Gen Con, but... Oh, yeah, we're getting really... Yeah, I guess we're, we're going to, we're going to terminate our, our interim discussion on Netrunner, uh, which has been, and actually, like, why don't we just skip over and do that? I think the game that we've talked about the most out of the stuff <laughs> at Gen Con was Netrunner. Yeah. And that's what part of what I was doing when I wasn't playing L5R after dropping from both of the tournaments. <laughs> I was playing Netrunner with Kempi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's very interesting. Like yeah, Mike and I played several games of Netrunner on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right? And despite the fact that he had to listen to me whine about how I did not get how this game works, because I I mean I played it a very smidge back when it came out. I totally left that wanting to play again. There were things that I was getting frustrated when I was first playing it, but it was clearly me not getting things. It wasn't the game doing something wrong, it was just me having to get into the mode of the game, and I just found myself later, I almost, there's not an awful lot of deck customization you could do right now, but I almost went to, to be like, okay, where's a giant pile of Netrunner cards that I can sort and be like, <laughs> okay, so this is worth that many bits, and so it's this many clicks, mm-hmm. and how many, you know, how does it all convert out? Yeah, and, well, well, the, I the, mean, the, one the, of the really interesting things about the original game is that they had, like, a ton of different icebreakers, and yeah. some of them were good against different different pieces of ice, so you could really plan around that. I mean, part of the problem with the original game, there were, there were a couple of icebreakers that were clearly better, yep. like Codecracker. Rarity. Uh, was, I mean, was the and, you know, Codecracker was like a common though. Oh yeah, yeah, Codecracker was. Well, yeah. yes, I do speak fluent Navajo. Yes, <laughs> that was one of the f- flavor texts on the old cards. Weasel. Huh? Oh yeah, that was we- Ten Weasel. Yeah, yeah. but that okay. card was pretty. But most importantly, Rock is strong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, I like that they kept the flavor of that, that they kept a lot of the humorous. It's not. I don't think it's quite as humorous as the old one, but yeah. I think well, that okay. was. Uh... Netrunner is originally designed by Richard Garfield, the guy who also did Magic and now has done King of Tokyo and is he's he's done a lot of games. And is uh, yeah, Robo, all the old deck Robo masters, yes. all the old deck master yeah. games were pretty much him. If I'm not mistaken, and and the Great Dal Moody as well, which I is a fun was, game. Was uh, Garfield, but Rock is Strong was the name of his Magic team, yeah. I believe. And also, I think one of the names of the pieces of ice in the original Netrunner. No, no, yeah. yes, yes, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. They named yeah. the, the, the name of the piece of ice was, yeah. But, yeah, because I think right now, with the factions, each, the, the one, if, if you ever, uh, Netrunner, I guess if you know nothing about Netrunner, I was about the concept to say, maybe we is, should actually go yeah, over you that. Have, yeah. you have, it's an asymmetrical two-player game. One player is playing a corp, and one player is playing a runner. And the corporation is trying to score agendas. Yeah, it's like big corporation. It's trying to score agendas. The runner is trying to... The the primary win condition is to steal agendas out of. And so the corporation, you know, you have have ice programs that then defend your hand and defend your deck and defend your discard pile. And you can set up these, what they call subsidiary... Well, at least they used to be called subsidiary data forts. No, they're second... uh, Remote servers. Remote servers. I like subsidiary data for it. Uh, I do too. It's just what you're used to. Yeah. So, 
there's definitely an element of uh, lingo in the game. I mean, your hand is HQ. HQ. Your deck is R&D. Your discard pile... Well, it's HQ for the corp, corp, corp. and it's the, your, your grip, grip for the for runner. runner. Yep. And the discard pile is the archives for the corp, and it's got the heap, I yes, think, the for the heap runner. Is the runner. So the, the cards can look a little lingo-y, where it's not search your deck for a card and put it in your hand. It's search R&D for a card and put it in HQ. Which but, seems, it seems weird, but because of the very specific effects and the way that the game works, it, it's much... They save a lot. It's a very good econ, econ, economic... Well, uh, I mean, it, it adds a lot of flavor, too. Yeah, once you're it's, it's sort of an upside-down side. You, right. You're not using the super obvious term, but you're... Saving words, and it's more yeah, flavorful. So, like I said, it's asymmetrical. It's very much every turn, basically, each player on, on his on his or her turn gets four actions. And for the corp, the first action has to be draw a card. You don't just draw cards. You have to, they click, your actions are called clicks. And if you want a money, it's a click to get a bit, which is the currency. If you want to draw a card, it's a click to draw a card. The runner wants to go on a run, that's a click. Uh, the corp wants to install a piece of ice, that's a click. And so everything is kind of interchangeable in a way. An event or an, an operation, what, it's an operation for the corp, events for right. the runner. Correct. When the runner has an event that says, draw three cards, and it costs zero, that's not as crazy as it seems, because it's one, you could just generate three card draws by going click, 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 and so you used a click to draw this card in the first place, and then you used another click to play it, so it's netting you a card, I mean, you're gaining a click out of it, but it's a very much different economy from just the, oh, I can just spew cards well, out. And that, that's the that's the funny thing about that game is it's to me it's a bluffing game on top of an economy game. A lot of that game is just economy. Yeah. yeah yes. Like, uh, like what's what the most is the most efficient way efficient, I can do these? What, like if I get to search my deck for an icebreaker, given what my opponent has out right now, what's the most efficient icebreaker I can yeah. pull? And I think there's pro- there's actually probably a little less of that now because of your limited deck construction options right. than right. there would be in the full game. Like, I think, yeah, in each of these decks, there are, there's also this, it's not even rock, paper, scissors, but there's this, with the ice, there's three basic kind of ice, and I think of the code gates, barriers, and sentries. Right. And then there are ice breakers that the runner has that will tend to defeat those particular things. And so when you look in each of the the runner deck, you largely have three co- something like three copies of or two or three copies of a kind of ice that breaks it that does sentries and then two or three copies of a kind that does code gates and then two or three copies of a kind that does barriers and then one sort of at least one sort of generic thing that lets you get around to whatever and factions are a big thing that they have added that was not there nope. in the original game there are four different corps and three different runners and presumably more will be added but, yeah, well, in, and, in expansions, but you get... I really hope those that, are the factions. I really hope they don't add too many factions too soon. I don't think they will. I think it'll be a big box if they added anything, but they, I mean, this is in the Android universe, so it's established stuff. They could right. add more They could add more right. corpse, but this is most of the people they've already ex- Talked shown. About, right. Right. They're, they're not adding new factions, they're adding new strongholds for the factions, or the identity cards. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's like what I expect to get in the expansion, is you'll get somebody else who is also a shaper. Right. Yeah, yeah each of the, I mean, we say that, the, the runners, your card as a runner, you have, it's a person with a name, but then they also have a faction, and yeah, the way it's, and you, you have a, what, it's a 60-card deck. 45. Oh yeah, four. Sorry, it's, yeah. Okay, it's, it, you've got forty-five minimum. and then fifty. Well, forty-five card deck, 
Well, actually, it says on your card what your minimum know, debt yeah. size is. Yeah, so the- yeah, theoretically, it's open to the possibility that you could later have someone who has a different minimum deck size. But yeah. right now, they're all 45, and then you can run anything from your faction. And the game comes with, I think... F- 15 for each side. 15 neutral cards. No, 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 yeah, but for, but for each faction, there's something like 33 faction-specific cards, and then 15 neutral uh, cards. When, when you get one base set, you get 32 cards in a base set that go in your deck. Okay, so you, you and, and then 15, yeah, so it, it puts you a little bit over the 45. With and all the neutral cards. If you if you put all the neutral cards in. And you can just play with the base game like that, or you can construct it where you can have any number of cards that are aligned to your faction, you can have any number of neutral cards, and then you have Right now it's 15, but theoretically it's like the deck size. It's printed on your card, so potentially they could make that a different number mm-hmm. for some later one. But right now it's it's 15. You get 15 influence, which lets you bring some out-of-faction cards in. Once they're in your deck, they behave exactly the same, yep. but each card has in the lower right, like from, I think everybody everything has at least one, but it has from one yes. to five little lit-up, Oh, and if, it, if it doesn't have anything, if it doesn't even have a box, you can't import it at all. Okay, and that yeah, and so you and so if something's got four, then Every and you put three of, of those in your deck, that uses up twelve of your fifteen influence. You have a maximum yep. of three. But I, it is very absolutely much worth checking out. It was definitely one of the talks of Gen Con. It's pretty awesome. And yeah, so, yeah. It, it's a very different game. That's what I like. I, it, I like that it's very thematic. You feel like you are a corporation, or you feel like you are a runner. You're like, you know, going after. Yeah, their... it's very, it's very, it's just different too. Yeah, it's a very unique well, card game. And, and the thing that people, it, it, it's hard to have this perspective because I picked up this game back in '96 when it first came out, and at 16, uh, when I was 16 or whatever, I, even then I could tell because it was nearly not nearly as good at games as I am now. It was just so different from everything that was out. Yes. It, it, there were so many card games getting made at that point. That was part of why it died. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People were spamming collectible card games out like, yeah, like crazy yeah. at that point. I mean, when, when uh, Fantasy Flight, honestly, when Fantasy Flight did, did the announcement like uh, the beginning of the year, it was like February or something, they did the announcement that they were reprinting it. I, I literally jumped out of my chair. I was so oh, excited. I know no, no. Kevin always liked that, too. And I, I mean, it was, it was one of the games that I mentioned on our website pre-Gen Con, but it's like, well... Okay, how many of these you gonna have to buy? I think if you're if you're gonna be all serious about it, you probably have to buy two. Yes. You theoretically could buy three, but I my recollection is that because you got a three of a card in your deck, there are some cards in the game that one cop you only get one copy of. But yeah. all of those cards are either unique, so you can only have one copy generally, or they're your consoles. No, no, there, there's no unique. You can only have one copy in the game. Oh, I thought you said that there no, were. No, no, no you can only have one out. The, the cards that you, oh, play, oh, you can only have one yeah, out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the cards that oh, you oh, only so get. Oh, they're just one the consoles, um, basically, or no, no. I mean, because the the, um, the corporations have like upgrades. There's yeah. the unique guy that reduces the cost on your ice. He's unique. Okay, so for L5R related purposes, there are a variety of cards that are singular. Right. Yes. yes. You may have to buy three copies of Netrunner if you actually wanted to have three of those in your deck, but you but, probably don't. Yeah, yeah. well, be- because not, not only are a lot of them unique, uh, some of them aren't, but not only are some a lot of them unique, they're either expensive or you have to factor in, these are not 60-card decks, they're not 50-card decks, they're 45-card decks, so two cards is a lot more than right. three I mean, and a 60. As a general be- deck building rule, 
for the original Netrunner, like you had 45 card decks, and you'd want two copies of each type of Codebreaker, I mean, right. uh, Icebreaker, because that was usually enough. Yeah, to get to well, in the original Netrunner, was there even a limitation on how many copies of a no. card you could run? No, there Because I know I've oh, seen decks for the original like, one where like after, 16 times yeah. whatever the oh, BSB, yeah. what was the blood? Um, yeah, well, yeah. The, the, immediately after they put in a 4X, like you don't have four of anything. Or at least what Richard Garfield said in the uh, interview that Fantasy Flight did with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there didn't used to be a, a limitation, but yeah. it, was, it was needed. It was definitely yeah. needed. Yeah. yeah, I totally want to go get Netrunner now. Yes. <laughs> and of course, I can't. Yeah. Middle of September. The, well, I mean, you can always proxy stuff up. Uh, the, the cards are out there online, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, well then, I have a, a, a list of all of the publishers and all of the games that should have junk on it. We're totally not talking about all of them, <laughs> but... We'll go through the list that I have, and then Mike and Kevin can add in anything that we've actually missed. So, because, of course, it's me, it's alphabetical. So, <laughs> I guess, did anybody actually see Dragon's Bard there or anything? Is that, okay. the, is that the Tracy Hickman game? Well, it was, I think it's actually a Margaret Weiss pro- a property, mm-hmm. but it was... I don't even remember seeing it. Maybe at the, the Tracy, at the Hickman I think, booth. I think he's, he, 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 yeah. I think he's, he's associated, like, and like Richard Borg is the designer of the game. It's on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, he no. has a, a, a game about dragons that's on Kickstarter. I didn't really get a chance to play it. I mean, I spent some time at Hickman's booth, and I got to talk to his daughter, and I got my, I bought a copy of XDM and got him to sign it, and the artist, like, drew, like, a Sketch and, of my and character. And XDM is, I believe, Extreme Dungeon Mastery. Yeah. Okay. And that's uh, a that's a it's a fun book. It's a a mu- I don't know, how much serious. I know it's funny. Like, is that entirely humorous GM advice, or is there also no, serious there some GM pretty advice? Serious in there? GM I don't, advice I don't in there. know. Like, I haven't looked at it. Like there there was some really useful advice in there. I've I've already read it, but there was some really useful advice in there about uh, story structure as put like linear versus just open. And then there's like, what he called like a bubber pool structure where you kind of bump the characters into a direction that you want, but gently. <laughs> the object of the game is to tell a linear story without the compl- without the players feeling like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically, right. That's, that's, that's the object of being a GM, because actually telling a completely open-ended story is incredibly difficult. There, Just yes. ask the L5R story team. <laughs> yes. there, so there, there, were, there were some really good sections in it. The, the section about how to deal with uh, tr- problematic players who want to bring up rules questions was not so helpful. Uh, usually the answer for him was just kill them. Um, uh, he well, introduced might what be he, not playing his game. What, yeah. He introduced what he called the Australian rule, which was when you have a character who you turn them upside abs- down? No, you, uh, you, when you have some ca- a player who brings up some obscure rule that you've forgotten, you take their character sheet and put it behind their screen and they have to play it blind. Um, <laughs> and well, that, that's actually something I've heard of. If you're really into making your job as a GM even harder is actually never letting the players see their character sheets. They tell you what kind of character they are, what kind of stuff they can do. You write up their character sheet. They know that I'm good at thieving or something, but they don't actually know what the numbers are. There are a couple of games that do something kind of like that. Like, uh, there's one I heard of where like the rule, the entire rule sheet is, Two pages, eight and a half by eleven, and the character sheet is an index card, and you just write down what you're good at. And... Well, that, but, uh, that's, even, also, that's, that's even narrower than Lady Blackbird. Oh, I, I actually, um, 
they on tabletop they recently had Fiasco, which is basically a role playing yeah. game with no GM. Yeah. But you just have to agree that everybody's going to have terrible endings. I I want to play it so badly. They downloaded yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, my friend that I shared a room with at Gen Con played in, in a Fiasco game, and she loved it. Oh, yeah, it looks um, so good. Sorry, yeah, it does. Well, I guess we should probably we'll, we'll, keep on the Gen Con track. Yeah. There, there was we'll also a, a section job of in the book on contact juggling did, did, and magic tricks and how to force cards and incorporate that into your game. That was kind of fun. <laughs> but I didn't actually get to play the, the Dragon's Bard game. Okay, well, after... And that was that was near the top of the list because his company is Albino Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, that, that, that was definitely... Because so, I got a, a t-shirt from them after... Oh, yeah, the, I was about to say, why is Albino Dragon before AEG on my list? But that's because it's Alderac, yep. not AEG. So, yeah, hear that, game companies. If you want to be the start of these, name your, like, Aaron yeah. game company. If, if, you, if you want to get in before Aaron everybody uh, turns off the podcast, a a a a a a a auto repair gaming <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so AEG's big thing at Gen Con was obviously Smash Up, and I have to say they, they sold that out as well, although it was it was not like Netrunner, where, like, they had a very limited number of copies. They had a lot, lot of Smash Up, it and was, they still sold it out. It was... It I, like I a saw it getting, Yeah, I mean, you saw it getting played all over, over the place yeah, at Gen it's Con. It's a lot of fun. I, uh... I don't, can I even say that I playtested for it? Yeah. Okay. Well, because my name's in the book. Uh, so so I, <laughs> we'll I, played, I, I playtested Smash Up, and I've played a lot of Smash Up. So I saw Smash Up, and I was like, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. But no, yeah, Smash Up was all over the place. I have a... I'm not sure what to do with it. Like, I have a normal copy of Smash Up, and then at the big game night, I forgot to mention, the swag for the big game night was an L5R starter deck, a promo figure for the Ninja Legend of the Scorpion Clan board game, a copy of Nightfall Coldest War, which was the, the newer standalone expansion, and then a foil box copy of Smash Up, which is... I. Supposed to, I mean, it's not like they said it's exclusive, but I don't know where else it's available. But getting at the big game night, so like I have my already opened normal copy of Smash Up, and then I have this sort of fancy copy of Smash Up, and I haven't decided what to do with it yet. I will trade you something for it. Okay. And eh. you were kind of complaining about Twilight Imperium, like it took too long lately. That's a fair trade, right? I mean, Twilight Imperium only costs three times as much as Smash Up. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I really, really love Twilight Imperium. It's uh, the the it's just that you don't Empire, always have six or eight hours at a crack yeah, to play a game. And Empires of the Void gave you like the same experience as Twilight Experium, except it was extremely streamlined. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep my pop copy of Twilight <laughs> Imperium, probably. Uh, and we haven't played the um, Eclipse because that that's also fairly yeah, streamlined. I, I have played Eclipse. Oh, you have played Eclipse. Empires of the Void was even more streamlined than Eclipse. Oh, nice. Um, uh, well, it was... Isn't Eclipse Eclipse is more economic y than Empires of the Void, isn't it? Yeah, Empire of the Void was I don't know, yeah, more like combat we, oriented. Yeah, like Mike just got the they finally got the reprint of Eclipse out in June, I think. Something like that. And we've just been yeah, June or July, we've just been so busy that we haven't had we time. have not had a chance to play it. And sadly, I'm pretty sure that we've spent long enough blabbering on the podcast that we're not gonna be able to do it tonight either. No. I've got Guild Wars too. So <laughs> You've got Guild Wars 2, that's your... Yes! You have to go home and play Guild Wars? Absolutely. It, it's an MMO now, so... I thought it always was. No, well, I mean, not really. It kind of like, a different really. payment structure? No, Anyhow, no, this is no def- there is no payment structure. You you buy the game, that's it. Okay. Well, that's a different payment structure. Yeah. Yes, you no, have but a that cup was what there, the first... Benjamin. Oh. Benjamin has made a return appearance. Yeah, it's a return of Benjamin. Thank you. 
Okay. EG also had... I've already got the... There was sort of a preview of this, so it's oh, kind of been out. But... Sorry, I should say, I, um, when I saw Smash Up and turned around, it was because I've just played a ton of Smash Up, not because yeah, I dislike yeah. it. I just want to make that clear. Uh, yeah, so Caverns of Bane is now up for Thunderstone. We already have the review of that. I actually played my review games of Caverns of Bane with people who aren't Strange Assembly because... Uh, <laughs> well, we Maybe, still got I'm it kidding. here. Uh, it, Caverns of Bane adds... The new reimplementation of treasures into Thunderstone. I really like Thunderstone. Yep. How did you? Before the the treasures were just sort of like you defeat a monster and then you refill the dungeon hall and oh look it happens hey, to randomly be a treasure here have a free something. Now the treasure shows up and then you continue flipping and you get a, and then you flip up the monster and like, potentially if you flip multiple treasures then you just keep stacking them and whatever the monster that comes up is gets to use the treasure against yep. you. So if it's a sword the monster is gonna. You know, maybe destroy something, or if it's armor, yeah. I, I, the defense he's I got think more I have read that in your review, and that sounds pretty awesome. I, yeah. I, I heard yeah. it. I actually listened to the uh, brand manager uh, podcast. Yeah, it, it sounded yeah that does sound like really interesting. I haven't gotten a chance to play it either. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. I guess people who listen to this podcast may have just already heard all of that from Jeff. But anyhow. <laughs> and then there, there was also Tempest, which isn't really out yet. It's AEG trying to combine their world-building stuff with Euro games, basically. Yeah. So you've got the, the three official ones are, so far, are Courtier and Dominaire and Mercante. But there's also going to be, I don't know what its actual name is, but the fourth game that will probably actually be there for SN2 is called, it's something like Love Letters. It's a super yeah. cheap, super fast little card game where you just have one little small 30-card deck or something. It's I guess in it's a Japanese designer. It's the one Todd. Yep. Todd mentions it in yes. the interview, but doesn't really say anything about it. But there were multiple EEG people walking around playing games of it at uh, at, at Gen Con with uh, little proxied up decks. And they, they nice. have like another one. They're not even announcing at all, right? They're, they're, they're going to show up at Essen. Yes, Todd in his interview had the and we have some secret project for Essen, but I will not tell you what it is. And he really wouldn't even off. Come on, Todd. Even the off jerk. mic, you wouldn't yeah. tell me anything. Urgh. He said they didn't. weren't even possibly weren't even going to announce it on the website. Yes, they're just yeah. It was just going to be we have a mystery or, box. On board, yeah, we have a game at Essen. Ha 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 ha. Uh, kind of kind of like Fantasy Flight did with their their game case. They had a case with all the new stuff, and they just had placards of going to be announced in the. Uh, well, yeah, but that's going to be announced yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. But and those were things that but weren't they, for they didn't sale. Say that they were going to announce there. anything. But well, the other thing is, I don't have the. I guess I'm going to, to steal some thunder, I should probably mention it here. We don't have the lead designer interview yet, but Art of War is back on. Nice. Nice. So oh, you can hear I'll more. i believe of, it when I see it. I hate hear, to say that. You, but... you can hear more about that in the interview with, with Reese. I, I, oh. I, I hate to be that guy, but I, I will not believe that Art of War is actually out until I have it physically in my hands. Maybe not even then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I will actually uh, believe even in hands. And then, of course... AEG had some se had seeds of decay selling, and we will talk at vast length. Yeah. Okay, so I think that that's I think we've covered pretty much everything for AEG. AEG. Did anybody actually get to play Mage Wars from Arcane Wonders? They were running demos constantly, and they were constantly full. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I had so much stuff on my docket, I just couldn't never yeah, make I, it over. It, it was kind of one of those things that, like, along with Dragon Valley, I was kind of hoping to be able to demo. On Sunday, but then oh, my but Sunday the, was just by Katie's present leave, yeah, so well, I didn't get to do that. The demos were actually not being run in the the hall; they actually weren't being run in the like event space. 
Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. You you had to ticket demos for yeah. Major. I mean, and they were been, technically sold out. I they've think. been doing well. Sunday afternoon wasn't at least. Oh, okay. A- as of Saturday, I think Sunday afternoon wasn't uh, because we were looking for what would we do. Is there anything in specific we want to do on Saturday now that we've slept through the start of yeah. the? Well, we were very tired. But yes. So, like I mentioned, Asmo Day. The thing that I wanted to, I really wanted to go to their booth and try out with Seasons. I didn't get the chance to do that. I, there's a little right above that on the website, and you can go check that out. There's also they they were doing demos of the not yet released first expansion for Eclipse. But I oh, no, yeah figured since I haven't gotten to play Eclipse yet, I wouldn't go demo I, the expansion. I actually picked up a little tiny game from Asmo Day that was called uh, Flower. Flowerfall? No, Flower no, no, that was ge- no. That wasn't Asmo Day. What was it? Because Flower, because Flowerfall was at the Game Salute booth. Because Flowerfall was Asmodi. Asmodi. Asmo Day is not there's and if I'm in case I'm not pronouncing right, Asmo Day is A S M O D E E. Asmodi is A S M A D I. Asmodi was at the Game Salute booth. Okay. And Asmo Day yeah. has their own. Asmo Day has their own booth, and a lot of yeah, a lot of their stuff is. Distributing Tribute. other, like right. I think, like Seven Wonders is distributed by Asmodee, but it's repos in mm-hmm. in Europe. So they had a variety of other things, but I didn't really check into any of the the rest of their stuff. I went. Cities to, was the only thing I wanted. To. I went to Calliope Games and played Sorrow of the Sea, which, if you've played Sorrow, is a variation of that. Uh, you sort of. Start with a, a little boat on the side of the map, and you're laying tiles that have little pathing things, and the object is to not die. <laughs> like you yeah. have to, you have to keep your oh, path alive. Every time you lay a, a tile, objective. you move as far as you can on that path. And if you're ever going to go off the board, then you lose. And that's kind of what Suro is, except in Suro you die if you run into each other. That doesn't happen in Suro of the Seas. But and I may be pronouncing Suro wrong, but you they, it adds these monsters that are kind of sitting on the board, and every turn you roll some dice, and if you roll like a six, seven, eight, then the monsters will move, and then you roll another die, and that determines how they move. And if they run over your ship, oops, too bad for you. What else did I actually play? Okay, now now cool mini or not, you got. I know you were. I didn't do anything in that both, but I know you at least demoed Zombicide, Mike. I don't know what yes. else you did there. Oh, so I wanted you. to get that game. Huh? Yeah, yeah. The, the, but the it was like ninety thing, bucks. Yeah, well, the, the yeah. biggest thing that I saw was that, especially Kickstarter, you get a really good deal with from them, and they got it ridiculously cheap. It was like a dollar a figure. But I saw some. I was standing there because I was waiting for my friend to get done with the demo so I could hand him my bag so that that they were going to take for me. And his, his uh, daughter was standing on on the boxes of them to like say hello to people or whatever. But she kept telling people, "Oh yes, this game is ninety dollars." I saw so many people put it back. It looks like it's a really good game. It looks like the quality is right there for it, but $90 is just a hard price point. It's, it's a hard sell point, because even like Fantasy Flight has problems sometimes at $80 or $90. Yeah. Yeah, and I think because Cool Mini or not comes from the... I mean, it is a miniatures game right, company, first and foremost. They're they like local? CCG's miniatures games. Mike? Huh? They're local? Uh, yes. Yes, they were founded locally. Yeah, okay, if you go cool. up to our... our the central, I mean, there's a number of game stores in Atlanta, but the one we go to most often is Tower Games up in Lawrenceville, and there's a bunch of, I mean, you can see, like, Cool Mini or Not stuff all over the place up there. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, they also did the Salabat, the... Phoenix Games somewhere in Atlanta? 
I, I believe that and that's where know. a lot of they, them play. Uh, one of the guys who works who does like the warehouse and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, has been with them for a couple of years, and they've really exploded in the past couple of years. I'm friends with him years back. We used to play Sunday board games together, yeah. and I've got a whole bunch of other friends who actually like uh, do volunteer stuff, like pack their Kickstarter stuff together. Yeah, they they have done like miniatures. They have done a number of them, but there have been a lot of big Kickstarter miniatures. I they, managed they, I managed to refrain today from plopping down any money on that Reaper, Reaper Bones Kickstarter, which would have been like a hundred dollars for two hundred forty miniatures or something, which is yeah. a fantastic deal. I just yeah. Don't really have the money stuff yeah. to do with two hundred. I mean, it's it's like, well, I'm basically using these to make the the D and D fancier instead of using. Yeah, I guess well, maybe Pathfinder or whatever instead of using the Pathfinder pawns, which are much cheaper. Well, and... The cool mini era, as the time of us recording this, uh, they've got the Relic Knight uh, yeah, Kickstarter that's sort going. Of anime. Yeah, it's kind something. of an anime and uh, in, very anime influenced. Uh, the figures look really good. It's small squad combat. They don't use dice. It uses a deck of cards, which is kind of interesting. It's a set deck yeah, of cards. Yeah, but it, but it, yeah, and it is very much the whole like it is a miniatures game. When you yep. are kickstarting for a hundred dollars or something, you're getting like 50. one. Okay, for fifty, you get like one faction though, right? You get a, you get a faction starter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they've got another one that's like a hundred. It's like enough for two people to play because it's like two faction starters, uh, the hardcover rule book, and the deck of cards. Or actually, I guess each one comes with like the deck of cards that you need. So. Yes, yes. Although not necessarily the rule book. No, it comes with the rulebook. No, no, no. The, I think the base Kickstarter level where you just get like the one faction thing does not come with the rulebook. I thought the $50 one did, and that's the base level I one. I think there's one below that that's $40 that comes with the rulebook. Oh. And then the next one up comes with minis, but not the rulebook. Well, because th- you don't necessarily. Well, I don't. Yeah, if you, you don't need a like, second army. Yeah. Oh, the, the, well, or, or if you have a group of people, you don't necessarily right. each have to have the forty-five dollar rule book. They, they also do some really cool things, like the um, I cannot remember the name of the game, but another one they kickstarted earlier in the year that's basically like a board game where you walk around and there's like infection stuff that's going around or whatever. When the, their Kickstarter bonus goals are alternate sculpts more so than like other stuff, so they had like the Firefly crew basically. Ah. They had John McClane. Nice. Uh, like, just all these great... Like, you would you would be giving a thumbs up. Jay, you would, you would totally thumbs up most of these uh, in references. Or I mean, of course, they can't name it directly, but that's obviously what it is. Yeah. Uh, I did play Zombicide. Zombicide's pretty fun. It, from what limited time I had with it. Yeah, I had to be like, Mike, uh, we need to go out to the car, and because uh, yeah. Katie's here, and we need to load my stuff in. So well, I mean, the, the, stop the, your demo. the full game is like three tiles by three tiles, and uh, it's... Uh, it's a lot more. They only had a, like a two by two thing to do oh, demos. Yeah, yeah. demos. I mean, of course, it's sure. a demo. We'll, so we'll, we'll talk about long demos when I get to long but good demos when I get when we get to fantasy fight. Yes. So then there's Cryptozoic. They had it wasn't for sale, but they had proxied up versions of the DC Comics yep. deck building game. I got to play that. I liked that game a lot. Yeah, I got to play that too. I'd have to see how it works out in the full version. I was. The one demo game that I got, it seemed to be very much, okay, I defeat the supervillain, and then having defeated the supervillain, the next time I get the supervillain, I'm just going to use his super awesome power to defeat the next supervillain. It's right. It kind of... Win more. Just to uh, completely oversimplify it, it sort of felt like a combination of Ascension yep. and Penny Arcade, the deck building game. I, I felt it was more... Um... In that, well, because it's got the 
the villain boss thing. I mean, that was that was really the big unique thing I thought True. that the Penny Arcade deck building game, which is also Cryptozoic did, yep. was to have that boss villain yeah. kind of thing. And it has that. And like Ascension, it's got the blind cards, right. although it's only one resource. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's what they're saying about the bl- uh, the blind in there. Correct is that when you have two resources, it makes it to where there are points where you can't do anything if yeah. you've gone the other resource. My, my usual rule of thumb in Ascension is really you don't ever want to get too much power because uh, oh well, the the attack power. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whether it's power and then runes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. if you end up with too much monster beating I, capability played, it's too like in a four player game you always just end up with all these rows like one monster shows up and then the guy beats it and then on your turn you you just don't have anything to spend 12 power on i but i, I played a lot of games yeah. it, it's not quite that simple but well yeah yeah, yeah. That, you can get either way but yeah, yeah yeah but that isn't isn't out yet so uh, we... it's coming out and coming out pretty soon it's in, in a no, month no, yeah, or so. it's coming out pretty soon it was funny, I actually, while standing there waiting for that demo, I ran into my uh, old roommate from law school. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, uh, the one thing I do want to say about that, it, as, a, as a positive for it, I am a comics reader, I'm a comic book fan, so uh, the cards felt appropriate. If nothing else, like, they felt like they should do they oh, yeah, did and, something and they should and do. It's got, and it's factional, too, in that you are Superman or Batman. It's like Justice League people. Right. It, it is the JLA lineup. If you're Superman, Superman has a lot of superpowers, so his ability encourages you to buy lots of superpower cards. Right. And well, if I mean, you're really, Batman, you want to buy a lot of equipment. You, you have a hero that just gives you uh, proclivity towards a certain type of card. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you're Aquaman, and you buy a lot of fish. I, I actually, Aquaman I, is supposed to be one of the best uh, heroes there is. I, because <laughs> you put your card that you bought on top of your deck. Yeah, as long uh, as it's not a really good card. Yeah. Because if it costs too much, then you can't. But yes. I actually, in my demo, I played as Aquaman because I'm like, let me, I want to see what you did with the guy whose power is talking to fish. Yep. He's such an underrated superhero. He is or... and he's not. Uh-huh. It, it goes both ways. <laughs> uh, there is, yes, there is tend to but be more to cut off his hand and make him edgy. <laughs> <laughs> They've undone that now with New 52. <laughs> is he still played by Vincent Chase, though? That's what I No, but he's written by Jeff Johns, which is usually a pretty good thing. And apparently now Superman and Wonder Woman are a couple. Yeah, that's going to become... I think it's terrible, but I, don't let me get on the comics. Okay, yes, let's not get into comics. Let me steal back my note sheet from Kevin. Sorry, sorry all I think about when hearing that is Mallrats. Okay. Yes, yeah, basically. Okay, so 3012 was the deck-building game that they actually had, and that Mike bought. Yeah. And you seem to like it more than the rest of us who are here, Mike. So. Randy liked it. Well, yes, but Randy's not here anymore, so... I didn't get a chance to play. people who were here. Oh, that's right, Kevin wasn't here yet. I will say, I think that's the most positive Trevor's been to a deck-building game. Uh, not instantly completely disinterested? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> didn't loathe it completely with every fiber of his exactly. being? Exactly. He did well, like the, the, the reason it, I picked so. it up, it, I, think, I feel it's like... It's very different. Yeah, it's very yeah. different. It tried different things, even if it's not entirely successful and everything. It's kind of expensive at $45. Isn't that pretty standard for a deck-builder, though? Not for that many cards. You usually get more cards yeah. than that. Don't play it two-player. No, no. two-player is terrible. It, it's, it's a three-to-five-player game is what I would say. But it's interesting because you get to interact with, if you have the right cards, you get to interact with other people on their turns. And not yeah, just yeah, you yeah. have to discard a card. There's part of the game where you go and defeat monsters, and it has a built-in way where there are cards in your deck. The purpose, I mean, your, your base deck actually is just stuff that you can either help other people and then get rewards for it or hurt other people and maybe get rewards for it. And it feels like there's not going to be too much streamlining. It feels like a lot of it's already where it is, so it's just build up and let's go. 
Yeah, I felt bad that so but yeah, Mike and I were playing this just two of us, which is why we know that you shouldn't play a two player. Yeah. Although I guess we were partially playing it wrong. I don't think that would have Oh, and, and, uh, and we had the guy anything. from Cryptozoic yes. show up. Yeah, we had the guy who wrote the rulebook show up and be like, I wrote the rulebook, come by tomorrow. I mean, like, and he was clearly, like, bone-tired and exhausted, so we weren't going to, like, hassle him. And, like, come by and tell us who it is. And I'm like, I wasn't going to because the rulebook was not amazing. I mean, it was, it was okay. It was, there was just some very glaring things that they it, needed. It was... It, it's sort of like, as annoying as it is, when you write a rulebook, you sort of have to, like, be extremely precise about things. Yeah. And probably repeat it in multiple places in the rulebook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's also, there's no timing structure. Um, they don't specific, like, the places you're supposed to put decks on the board are not actually labeled correctly in, which is partially production, too. I'm sure well, that's that was, only... That, I mean, yeah, that was pretty easy to figure it out. Yeah. It was, you have one of the sort of unique things that they do. Yeah, hi, Benjamin. Uh, one of the unique things that they do is that there are two stacks of action cards that are things that, that you flip a new one up every on your turn. You flip up two new cards on the top of those decks, and you have the option to buy those. But regardless of whether or not you buy them, you get to use them that turn. Like There's, there's really just a like lot of hand. new and different. Yeah, there's just a lot of new and different things in 3012. Yeah. And it's called 3012 because thematically it's Mayan. a thousand years after the end of the world by the Mayan calendar. So it's oh, no, a I think that actually is the end of the world because that's like oh, how I it was thought, mistranslated. Oh, oh, I, I thought 2012 was the, the end of the world. It's got a blurb at the beginning that has oh, some of the yeah. fiction, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. The the idea was that the world ended in 2012. Right. And and now it's 3012. So this is where the world okay. has pseudo so, recovered. So it's, it's Hanna Barbera. We just went to crazy space, but primitive. Yes. Sure. The 70s Hanna Barbera cartoons, like Thundar. Yes. That was that was the one where the world ended in 96, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yes, or I'm, Star I'm, Trek, where the Third World War start happened in the 1990s. Yeah, I did get to play the Doctor Who card game from Cubicle Seven, which was an interesting environs because for whatever reason their shipping got screwed up, and when I was playing on Friday, their booth had just arrived. Oh, so like wow. they were trying to build their booth was supposed to get there on Wednesday, and they're sitting there on Friday in the middle of the, was the that, con. Trying was that the to... booth with the girl dressed up as a Dalek? No, wasn't yes. it? Uh, no, there, there, was there was a near, near the Cubicle 7, in the vicinity of the Cubicle 7 booth, there is a Doctor Who booth at Gen Con okay. that sells a BBC. Doctor Who memorabilia, and but that is not, and it, Cubicle 7 has, which is a British company, has the license to make, I think, basically any kind of game, because there's a, a role-playing game, too, called Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space, and I think they have the license, but that was a different booth. But the Doctor Who hard game, card game also has uh, a number of interesting mechanics. You basically get to play two cards a turn, which can be either you like you can drop a location, or you can defend your location, or you can send an enemy like like a Dalek or a Cyberman just after the other person's location. But on your turn, you get to play two cards, and at the end of your turn, you're going to have three cards left in your hand. And then you pass those three cards to the player on your right and draw two new ones. Then the player on your left takes their turn, and they end up with three cards in their hand at the end of the at the end of their turn. And then they pass the three cards that they have left to you. So it's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean the demo was relatively short because they had a, a reasonable line, but that again definitely uh, different. Fantasy Flight, as always, oh, has Jesus. the ridiculoso giant booth. And the giant list of games. So, uh, yeah, okay, so let's... Ugtect 
Now, Kevin bought this, but I, I will note that I, I... Okay, the description of this game did not make me sound particularly enthused, but they had one demo table of it going, and I learned from watching the demo table that you're actually allowed to hit the other players <laughs> with the inflatable club, yes. which sounds much more entertaining to me than I just grunting that. out. Well, I didn't remember. I thought you just grunted at them. No, actually being no. able to hit them with yes. the inflatable club, that's a more and interesting. And that's an instruction. Yeah, <laughs> that is an instruction. Yes, to do you have something. to hit them once if they've done it right, and hit them twice if they've done it wrong. So, have you gotten to play it? Yeah, I, I know you, you bought it. I didn't. Okay, so I what have. was it like? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Like one of my players is like, I kind of gotten to look forward to like the little one love tab that <laughs> makes me know that I yeah. know well, so it you're, right. you're, what you're what you're trying to do in Octact is give instructions to another player about how to physically build a monument by grunting at them in different ways and hitting them with a club. Yeah, you have some specific caveman words that you're allowed to use, and they and mean And he gives you a things. picture, and they have to make that picture. Right. And you have to give them instructions, because yeah, obviously they Some of the it. things are really hard to describe how to do, and some of them are really simple. Right. But Okay. So and Netrunner, maybe we should too, talk right? about that game, because we haven't... No, yes. maybe? We already know? Okay. Great game. So Netrunner was obviously there. Descent was released before Gen Con, yep. but there was a lot of that at Gen Con. Uh, well, Descent and the Conversion Kit were both released uh, before. Yeah, oh, the, okay, the Conversion yeah. Kit was only oh, like so a they week had, or two. They, although they're, they've already, yeah, they had a little copy in their display of what is going to be the first expansion for yep. Descent. And this is Descent, I guess, this the is Descent 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is much streamlined. I know Jay and Mike have both had the chance to play Descent repeatedly already. Well, yeah. and so I what do played, you guys think? I, I, had, I had everything but Sea of Blood for the first Descent. So I was a big fan of the first Descent. Um, Road to Legend, which was the third expansion, was the one where they actually added a campaign mode, which it desperately needed. That's basically the default for Descent 2.0, right? right. Is campaign mode. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you actually have a couple different ways you can play it. You can just pick one and say, "Okay, we're going to play this." You can say, "Okay, we're going to play it as if we're basically like we have so many levels. Like it's like starting a D and D campaign where you're at fifth level or whatever. So everybody gets to advance and stuff. Or you can play a campaign that's linked into a whole bunch of things. They say it's supposed to take about 20 hours. It says in the rulebook to play, and that sounds actually probably about right. So it's over se several play sessions, um, but there's several rules that they changed that make the game just yeah. And, and on very basic terms, Descent is a dungeon, a dungeon crawl. Yeah. It's very much like a hero quest. Yeah, one player plays the overlord and controls all the bad guys, and then the other players each control heroes. And it, how many resources the overlord gets scales based on how many It's just how many cards you have. That's it. It's, well, it's no, how many cards no, you have. How tough the monsters are. How tough the monsters are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But there's, you, well, there's you get a, more minis and I mean, there is a scalability. I mean, which is because that can, for well, some games, that's an issue where there's well, difficulty that, that, scaling. That but. was the, the problem with the original Descent is that you had something called threat, and you had to use the threat to re, uh, to spawn monsters and to play the cards that were in your hand, and it became a huge nuisance, and they got completely rid of it, and it's one of the best things that they did. So That's the only reason I got because that was the resource system. Yeah, uh, I think we mentioned Rune Joth and Anvil at some point, which like we have Mike bought. I definitely want to play because I, I do too. Yeah, we we liked yeah, Rune Age was a deck building game. We liked it, but we're very much like okay, let's get some more options. And hey, look now yeah. there's more options. There's two entirely new factions. All the factions got another card, and there's new ways to play the old adventures uh, scenarios. scenarios. Yeah, is that the one with the the undead deck that was yep. just kind of broken? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're like on your first turn, you could attack with one and then buy something and then play your second one and bring back the guy you just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I've looked through most of the cards, but I haven't gotten a chance to play through it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, 
because I can't find the base game. <laughs> they had a pre-production copy. They had one demo table running a pre-production copy of Relic, yep. which is basically Warhammer 40k Talisman. Yep. If you've ever played a Talisman, it was Talisman, the Magical Quest game, which is basically you have a board and you... It's very random. They, they had you a just Talisman kind of, demo station too. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why are you demoing Talisman? Well, because there are... They, they, I guess yeah, they sell it, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah in Talisman, you basically... You're a character, and you roll a d6, and you move around the board, and different threats pop up, and you kill them, and you get items, and you take I, you know. Uh, so I, we I, only got to play for a very short time, though. I've never well, actually played Talisman. Uh, okay, but... Well, here's the thing: I, I had old Talisman because you know, Talisman gets a lot of love. It was one of Games Workshop's older things, and then Fantasy Flight basically bought Black Library's licenses, and so Talisman came under that. And I bought Talisman when it came out, and they fixed it, and they made it much, much better. And I bought a bunch of expansions, and I played it a bunch, and I realized I hate this game. Like, <laughs> with a passion. Um, it's not that it's bad. It's good for people. It's good f- if you have a bunch of friends who aren't really strategic or tactical, but like to, you know, okay, I like fantasy or whatever. It's just, it's so random, and it takes so long. There, there is very random. I mean, it's rare, like, it's a D6 to see if you move. There's rolling D6s to see if you win the fight, where, where a D6 is a big variation. Yeah, I, I had a really high hope for Heroic. I'm like, okay, cool. The Talisman has some interesting ideas, but maybe they can add something to it, so it's good. No. I, I, watched, I, I watched Chris play for like 20 minutes or 15 minutes somewhere in there. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't super long, but even in that amount, I was like, nope, I can tell this is very much like Talisman. I will get very annoyed by it, yeah, and I, I will not be picking this up. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed playing the demo. I couldn't say it's, it's one where it was hard to extrapolate over, like, how does the, you didn't, right. like, that length of time didn't really see you right, progress much, which I, guess, exactly which I guess is part of the problem that, I mean, that Mike has with it is, you, I know, I think you don't feel that you, you, know, you played 15 minutes and you didn't do anything. Nobody had even gained a level or died. It's, nothing had <laughs> happened. And it's not like it's hard to explain the rules for that game. Uh, uh, the, the, one, the one kind of good thing is that in Talisman, you roll, you go someplace, and basically you have an encounter. Sometimes there's an encounter on the space, but normally it's you pull from an encounter deck. In the uh, Relic, each of the sides, or at least how it is now, each of the sides is a different like color because it's a different sector of space. Uh, that no, it wasn't. wasn't oh uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Each, each, there were di- each side of the board was a different sector, and I right. think for convenience's sake, they had different decks set up on different sides. But I think there was just one deck of blue encounters. Right. And- yeah, right, but that's what I mean. That there is no blue, yellow, red in regular talisman. It's all oh, just one okay, deck. Okay, yes, yeah. So, so when yeah, you land somewhere, like... it's tied to a color, and that's tied to your stat. So you know what you're fighting on. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you're gonna be like, yeah, I have a high cunning, so I'm gonna go, go to the fight cunning. on cunning. I think it's like cunning, willpower, and strength. strength. Yeah. So shooty, and shooty. It basically gives it a third stat, whereas talisman only had. It's like strength. physical and magic yeah, or something strength, like that. Physical and magic, basically. Spirit is what's called. I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoyed playing the demo. I'd, I'd want to play more before I drop. Like, it's probably going to be $80, but... Uh, I, I would imagine it'll be 60 Okay. Well, that's better. Uh, I could be wrong, but I imagine with the components that I saw, I'm getting pretty good at guessing what Fantasy Flight is going to price things, so I guess it'd probably be about 60 I might be wrong. It might be 80 And because those were, not, those were pre-production components, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Now, I've played some Talisman before, and I don't think that it's a game where I'd want to play it tons and tons and tons over and over no, and over again all the time. No, but if you're very drunk and don't want to think too much about your game... <laughs> it, 
Uh, then you play I mean, there, there's some thinking uh, yeah, involved. Yeah, well, that too. That there's, some th- there's thinking involved in there. But, yeah, there's there's definitely randomness. And I am done with this Apple Teeny, so maybe it is time to play Rally. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Apple Teeny in there? Yes. That's so weird. Oh, did you think I was kidding when I said I was going to come back with one? I, well, I just didn't that, expect that was prob- you to put it in, like, a sippy cup. Well, that's probably <laughs> substantially, yes. I have I have these really nice, they're insulated cups, and they have sealed lids and straws. So if, for example, you have them at the gaming table, and you knock them over, they don't instantly destroy the game. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just the cu- the top looks a little bit weird, because it looks like a cheap 10-cent plastic top. It. I, I hope it's cheap 10-cent plastic. I mean, we paid, like, a dollar for them. It's a freaking <laughs> cup. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah. I, but yes, in, in it, it's the, one, the, the, great, the great drawback of the martini and and its variations in my mind is that if you like, while a martini glass looks cool, very little liquid actually goes in a martini glass. This glass, <laughs> <laughs> fair. I don't think anybody's going to argue on that. But... So uh, that's, let's that see. Well, before apple martini, <laughs> before, oh, it was more than that. Before, <laughs> before we have Mike go on about X-Wing, I got to do the demo for Merchant of Venus, which Ooh. is they had the full copy on there. They've got the production. I've I mean, heard like, it's, really good things about that game. It's on the boat, on the way on, over. It was in the game, wasn't it? Did they not have it in the booth? They I thought they, they had they it, didn't for have it No, no, no. Okay. It was, it's not for sale. They just had, I mean, they had the final copy for the demo. And that's, a, that's an old game they re-announced. Uh, yeah, so there was the... The short version of the long story of Merchant of Venus. Merchant of Venus came out in the 80s. And then at Essen last year, both Stronghold games and Fantasy Flight games announced that they were reprinting Merchant of Venus. Yep. This obviously is a, a problem. And the, the, what kind of happened was that Richard Hamblin was the original designer and Stronghold games, which they're doing more new stuff now, but they started yep. out just doing a lot of reprints. They had gone and talked to Hamblin and made a deal with him. And fan and Wizards of the well now Wizards of the Coast I guess it was TSR at the time or whatever I'm not sure which branch of what later became Wizards right. of the Coast is Fantasy Flight had gone and talked to them and got the license so yes I don't know what the uh, we don't know what the actual answer was because they just dealt with it behind the scenes but the question was basically did the original designer or did Wizards of the Coast have the right to license the mechanics and that's just a question of whatever the original contract between them was but the final solution is that. In Merchant of Venus, you get a two-sided board, and one side of the board is classic Merchant of Venus, where you just mostly just get to play the original Merchant of Venus. And the other side of the board, and I only played the new version, is the Fantasy Flight redo of Merchant of Venus. And in Merchant of Venus, it, it is an economic game, but it is an economic game where you are flying your spaceship around these star systems. And we did the demo, and with learning the rules, the demo takes an hour which is about as long a demo as you're going to get. And I, I wanted to demo this enough that I like sat there for 45 minutes reading my Star Wars Edge of the Empire beta book while waiting for the, <laughs> the demo guy to come back. Yeah. And I had a really great time playing the beginning of the game. Obviously, you don't get to the end game, but it, it already seemed like there was a progression. It seemed like it was going somewhere fun. I absolutely want to play the full game. It's 80 bucks. I mean, it's a lot of... A it's, a, it's a lot of bits in that that sounds dog. right up my alley. So, it's an economic game. You do it does involve rolling dice though. So you know if you want randomness, that's good. If you don't want to roll dice to see how far your spaceship moved, well, tough on you. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you, you mentioned about the licensing. That that's kind of why we didn't expect to see the, the why the netrunner thing was kind of a, out of the blue was because it was actually originally an Artal Saurian cyberpunk 
it was actually licensed as that game. Yeah. So anytime you have a licensed game, you have a problem with you have the license has its own license, and uh, the other game has its own license, and then the engine has its own license. Yeah. So they got they got the engine obviously from um, Richard Garfield, Garfield or Wizards, yeah. you know, Wizards because it says on the card copyright Wizards, but they just married it with their own Android, which is a good yeah, mix yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think at this point, I'm not sure how much traction you really get from the cyberpunk name anymore. No, no absolutely. It's not like Rex where they they tried to be able to use the Dune license again. Right. I don't know if they even wanted to use the cyberpunk license. Yeah, true. Uh, well, yeah, probably not. And I don't. Yeah. So, X-Wing. Why don't you start okay. with X-Wing, because you're the one who, you know, spent Actually, money on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, X-Wing is a dog, X, uh, Star Wars dogfighting game, which is right up my alley. My f- some of my favorite moments in the Star Wars movies are the, uh, of the uh, sixth movie with all the big dogfights and whatnot. I, I've just always been a really big fan of it. So, they, uh, Fantasy Flight, if I'm correct, used to distribute Wings of War, and they recently lost that license. But so X-wing is actually a modified wings of war, uh, where you each uh, spend a point value to get a certain number of ships, and then you know it's basically you know Tie fighters versus X-wings versus Y-wings or whatever, and you build your force, and then everything has a pilot rating, and you have a little dial that says, okay, this ship's going to do this, this ship's going to do this, or whatever. You set all those dials at the same time, and then you flip up in order of lowest pilot skill to highest pilot skill. Then once everything is moved, uh, once you fill up up, you can't change anything. Once everything's moved, then you get to fire, and then it goes from highest to lowest again. So the highest pilot skill uh, gets you know a, a good bit of advantage there. And that's basically all it is. It's just dogfighting. They have some missions that you can do. Um, they've got some terrain you can drop, but that's most of the game. And it, it plays pretty well. Yeah, although, I mean, the one, I guess... For me, at least, drawback, partially because it's we live in the world where we're already playing this CCG that sucks up all this time, is that, yes. I mean, it is a, it reminds me of the LCGs, like, it's a miniatures game, uh-huh. so, but, I mean, it's not like Warhammer 40k, like, you have to spend a billion dollars miniatures game, but it is a game where you have a customizable thing, you have a yep. customizable force, and you're going to have to go out and, and buy stuff. If you buy the base pack, it comes with an X-Wing fig and two TIE fighters. Yep. But you can also $40. go, yeah. You can also go buy an, an X-wing pack that comes with another X-wing fig and different pilot cards mm-hmm. and a, what, different upgrade X-wing, cards. What it's what X-wing, Y-wing, and then X-wing, uh, Y-wing, the TIE advanced, TIE, TIE advanced, and, TIE fighter, and another TIE fighter. Yeah, and all those the those come with different stuff. And what you're normally doing is, yeah, you're bringing your own force, which is a certain number of points each pilot. You you actually pick the pilot card, which defines the ship and is worth a certain number. Yeah. points, and then there are some upgrades you can add in there. They also announced the first, I guess not the first expansion, but the first additional packs, right. which there's going to be, well, there's Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. and there's Slave, Slave One, one A-wings, A-Wings, and, um, and yep. something else oh, for the Imperials. Oh, a TIE Interceptor. TIE Interceptors, yeah. Yeah, and the TIE Advanced, you do, like, Luke comes in the base game. Yep. The tie advanced comes with Vader, and then Wedge is in the X-wing pack. I don't right. think anyone knows Wedge and, and Dutch and yeah, Dutch. Well, like, should wait, shouldn't Dutch no, no, be Dutch, in the Dutch Y-wing comes pack? Y-wing. Dutch comes in Y-wing. That's right. That's right. Don't put the guy in the wrong <laughs> kind of starfighter because I apparently know that still. God help me. Just to go a little bit more into it, so 
the um you get an X Wing and you get two TIE fighters. The X Wing will come with two different pointed versions of just uh, more experience. It's like Red Squadron, Gray Squadron, or whatever. And then it'll have actually two, like, I think it's one named version, which is Luke. Um, then when you get the pack, it will also have those same two low initiative, basically cheap versions, because all of the ships have the exact same stats. Um, but it'll also have the named people. The named people, a lot of times, when you're paying those extra points, you're paying because you'll actually get to upgrade it more than you would a non-experienced version, and you actually, a lot of times, will get an extra ability because they're such a good pilot. So you can buy two or three X-Wing packs if you want to play. It's a little bit weird because it's sold almost like a board game. Like, it feels like it would almost be a self-inclusive board game, but it really is more like a miniatures game. Like, you're almost buying just a starter, and then you'd probably want to figure out what you'd want and then buy it out. But it's weird because it's not like a war machine where you look through the book and pick out, okay, this is the army I want to build, and then I'll buy these things. It's a blind purchase. You don't know exactly what's in the package until, I mean, I'm sure there's well, websites. Well, I mean, you, know, you go online. Yeah, you go online yeah. and get it on the, I mean, you know what's in the... Right, it, 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 so it feels a little bit weird, but, but the game itself is a lot of fun. I like it. But I think yeah. you're right. It's going to have a weird niche, and that you'd have to set aside time for it. Well, I think it, like I said, it reminds me of, like, a miniatures version of an LCG, where... You are building your own thing. This time it's a little squadron instead of a deck. Right. And you, so there's this customization and there's like a standard, right, right, like a standard board game. You just need the one copy of it and everybody just plays off of that. This is something where you need your own thing. Right. You, you, need you to don't buy, want to split this. Yeah, you need to be able to buy enough to customize it the way you want. And there's so the key. your friends. Yeah, well, and there's, the, and there's the keeping up with the Joneses factor too, potentially, whereas... Yeah. They're coming out with new stuff, and it's not like you just buy the one. Like, either you do or you don't play with the expansion. If your buddy buys a Millennium Falcon, well, he gets a Millennium Falcon. And yep. if you don't buy it, well, pop. Yeah, well, but, I mean, the, the, everything is pointed. So, it, I mean, from what I've seen, they've done a pretty decent value. I haven't gotten to play it a whole well, lot. Well, no, yeah. The whole marketing concept of the LCG as a, as a minor thing is if you're not continuing to buy the new expansions, then their model, their, their marketing and sales model isn't working. Yeah, that's true. I think it's more they give you additional options, just like miniatures. Like, War Machine, you could start in that army. The army you start with could be the army that you end with. I mean, I could play almost exactly what I played at the beginning of the game. But there's going to be more options that are going to be like, mm, that's more yeah, what you're I not really play. Getting the full, yeah, it, it's weird the way we geeky completist things are like, uh, like, that's really cool. I want to play with that. Let me, let me get this to you. If you had something like a miniatures game, where, let's say you went and played Warhammer 40k and you bought that beginner Space Marines versus Orcs box set, and that was the entirety of the game, you'd be fine with that. But the fact that there's all these other armies and all these other miniatures for these same armies means that you can't, you just can't possibly, you can't, it's physically impossible to be satisfied with just what's in this box. Yeah. Ah, you must go get more stuff. I, good God, there's still like even multiple other things in Fantasy, Fantasy Flight, Flight to talk about, right? It's like, um, see. The, the the Hobbit, which oh, I've already gone over, which is the yeah, Lord of the Rings LCG for the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's not the... quite an expansion though, because it's, oh, it's kind of it, it, it is, but it's very self inclusive. There's a lot of things you could only use in it. The first player has to have Bilbo, and if Bilbo dies, you lose. They even give in the back. They're like, "Look, this is not really supposed to be a super competitive one. Here's our decks using just this and the core set that's very thematic." So it's really like you're trying to play through the Hobbit. It's it's interesting. I like it. So, is there anything else before we get to s Star to Wars? Star Wars role playing game? Uh, um, no. <laughs> Was I forget? Yeah, I think yeah. No, no. Okay, that seems like it's everything. At least that we played. 
So yeah. Oh, so well, they, the Star Wars LCG. Oh, that's yeah, that was the other one. I knew there was another one. So the Star Wars LCG, like we mentioned, we actually got to play that Sorry, with guys. one of the the guys uh, in charge of that. I know you had been demoed in it earlier, Mike, but then Mike and I got to sit down and do a demo earlier. And may I note that Palpatine owns you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got some issues, but then again, it's beta, so hopefully they'll fix it. Yeah. What, well, what he, he was, well, he was very uh, well. So. They basically have, they don't have tapping that you put tokens on that's like tapping, but when you refresh, you only take one of those tokens off. So if you can stack multiple, they'll be out of the game, basically, for multiple turns. Palpatine, when he wins a combat, gets to pick three of your guys, even if they're not in the combat, and put those... The focus tokens on them? you can't kill anybody, but that's so what So it he, was he, just kind of like I locked, I attacked, and locked down your guys at home, attack, locked down your guys at home. Because I didn't have any... Because also, because he won the initiative battle, which says who gets to strike first, he won the initiative battle because I had to drop my hand because he was locking down my board, so then he won the initiative battle, so Palpatine locked down everybody on my side so they couldn't even attack. I'm like, why you kind of really? have a little I bit mean, of an it issue was total with player this. skill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you especially seemed excited by the fact that I kept discarding Yoda. As so, so he discarded Yoda randomly, five cards, picked Yoda the first time. I'm like, okay, played a card, got it back in my hand. Next turn, discard, same five cards, picked Yoda again. Uh, Which is hilarious, because really, for the most part, it seems like discard is not terribly effective, because no. at the start of your turn, you just draw back up to five anyway. Six. Well, whatever you draw back yeah. up to, you draw There's back to. There's a number that is your both your max hand size and what you draw up to at a certain phase in the game. Yeah. So, let me see if I can run through it really quickly. So, it's basically, it, it's semi-asymmetrical. You have different goals, but the decks are very, very similarly built. The light side... Um, you you have an event deck, and I think they're random. We, I never got to ask them, but yeah, yeah. Well, you have you have two decks. You have yeah. one deck that of twelve exact. I think it has to be exactly, exactly twelve, 12 cards. But, but of and those are called objectives. And you right. you shuffle them up, and you get three of them at, at any one time. You always have exactly three, and those are your primary resource producers. And they also right. may have some sort of ability on them. Then you separately have a deck of sixty cards. Yes. Yes, it would be sixty, yep. and those are everything else those are your ships and your dudes and the dark side is has a clock the dark side goes first and at the start of its 12th turn the game is going to be over right they may advance it faster that but it clicks up one and it's basically this is all rebellion era so they build a death star and they win right essentially they, they get it into place yeah or well what, yeah, whatever I, it is. I know on the play mat they had I, yes. I know on the play mat that they had there was a picture of the Death Star, and the counter went around it. So I yep. assumed that the clock had something to do with the Death Star. Yeah, you know, that's what he said, too, so... Yeah, yeah. It's all those contractors... So, uh, yeah, I mean... His, yeah, you... You don't pay him for so long. Uh, yeah, I had I had friends on that Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah, so each, so each of your turns, you got, you know, you... You play you cards out of your hand. four, yeah, you play cards out of your hand... There's a mechanic where you try to adjust the balance of the force, and if the dark side has, if the balance of the force is to the dark side, then their counter clicks up two every turn. And apparently, Kevin and Jay are sending humorous texts to each other, making fun of me and Mike and Star Wars. I'm guessing. No, no, no. Uh, you guys are talking so much. Kevin sent me a text that we should play Netrunner. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, the, um, the the events are both resources and places that you attack. You actually attack yes. the resources, and then your opponent decides if they want to defend. They can only defend with people who don't have the exhaustion tokens on them. The light side wins by destroying by by successfully destroying, and they build up wounds or damage or whatever. Right. On the... They destroy three of the dark side. The dark side wins by accumulating 12. You get one automatically every no, turn. You get the, the clock up to 12. Yeah, the clock gets up to 12. Um, you, you just If you destroy the uh, events, you get, 
or first for the one, yes, two for the second, three for the third. So there's... at which point you effectively probably won. Yeah, but ultimately you can play defensively with the dark side, which you can't. The light side has to attack. There, there are going to be three different factions within the light side and three different factions within the dark side. And the dark side has Sith and the Imperial Navy, right. and those are going to be in the base game. The first expansion is going to add bounty hunters, I think. Yep. And the scum. first expansion is going to be like scum and villainy. Yep. The light side <laughs> in their start, yeah, of course. The light side gets Jedi and Rebel, the Rebel Rebels. Alliance, yeah. and we then get smugglers, and yeah, smugglers, yeah. 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 The smugglers, and the scum and villainy, yep. of course. There is not multiplayer supported now, but they are clearly designing the cards to keep that possibility open. Things are phrased, each of your opponents, blah, 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 instead of your opponents. So, so I heard two different things over the weekend. One of the demo guys told me, well, in the box set, when they come up with the second box set that adds the two factions, that's probably where they're going to have multiplayer. But then the other guy who was actually helping design it was like, basically, we haven't gotten the multiplayer together that we that want. we like. Yeah. That, that well, we and like, this yeah, is a complete so. revamp of the demo. That a com- not a complete revamp. It's a completely different game from the demo they had last year. Yes. So yeah, because that one was a, a co-op, kind of yeah. like the uh, LCG, the the Lord of the Lord Rings. of the Rings. Yeah, co-op, the players versus the Empire, and the deck construction is very unique. You, like we said, there are twelve objectives. You can have two copies of each objective out of those twelve, so you have to have at least six different ones. Well, each of those objectives is associated with five specific cards that go in your deck. So really, when you're building your deck, you don't pick individual cards. You have these chunks of cards that you have to put in there. And that lets them do things like have an overpowered card and then couple it with bad cards. And do you want to have the bad cards along with a really awesome Emperor Palpatine? And Palpatine right. is expensive, at least. No, no, he, yeah, he's six. You can't even get him. He's six, so you're, yeah, you're default. You may only have four production. That, that has no value game. to anybody who hasn't seen that game. No, though. no, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah there, there's a Ooh, lot six. going. Well, there's, a, there's a lot. Well, your faction card produces one, and each of your events produces at least one and might produce two. So if you haven't put another card in your deck specifically as just resource production, you will never even be able to play it. Right. Well, so, you could potentially have those events, but the other interesting thing is when you clear everything off, you only get clear off one thing. So if you use two resources, you put two on. If it has one on it, you can't use it for resources at all, so it'll actually be two yeah, turns yeah, before so it clears some, out. Yeah, uh, an, an objective having the ability to produce two resources isn't double the production. It's sort of the option to stack your two turns of production at once. Right. But yeah, so, so the deck building is very interesting. I, I'll be very interested to see how that yeah. plays out. It's not fair. I already want to buy Netrunner, and now <laughs> I want to buy... I like this other LCG. It's those evil people coming up with the games uh, I want to play. Also, you know, as much as I, I like a lot about Fantasy Flight, I really hope they do something about their constructed play, because their constructed play is... There's not... They basically put out a pack that's, here, you buy this $35 thing, and it's got, like, a playmat and pins that could qualify you to come up to, like, nationals or whatever. That's... I have no idea what you're talking about. The, 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 uh, the, the support for the support. LCGs. Oh, 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 tournament, like tournament packs. Right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I thought you meant, like, I thought when you said $35 pack, you meant, like, the, yeah, we could just, oh, no, no. the physical we product you were buying. Mary EG's tournament yes. support. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean... The, well, a CCG, there's a lot more money slushing around mm-hmm. in a successful CCG, I think, than there is in an LCG. I mean, well, that's just, true. I, I don't think, like, people have gone on about AEG, you know, why don't, and I've, I've been one of those people, like, why don't you do an LCG? And for, for them, economically, it probably doesn't make sense, because Fantasy Flight's such a big company, they can probably well, produce it at... You, you may be interested to know that I asked Mr. Bonjou about 
the mm-hmm. whole LCG thing in the brand interview, so you can listen to that too. Because good lord knows we don't have time to talk about it now. Now, uh, I'm okay, with ta- okay, so we spent like 45 minutes talking about Fantasy Flight. Now, please tell. Oh, we haven't talked about the Star Wars RPG. RPG. <laughs> oh, so there's the Star Wars RPG. Right, the I can only, do it in two sentences. The only thing I want to know about the Star Wars RPG: Can you play a Gamorrean Jedi? No. No. Darn. Your options are no. You're there are. No. no, there are you. There are only eight races. Your options are relatively limited in the beta thing that we've got. I don't know if they're going to be as limited in the core game. Which, by the way, or... you can get off their website now. You can buy it online. You mean? Yep. Yeah. And when retailers can actually <laughs> no, order you can it get too. It for free, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know when I didn't go, or I was like, oh, I'm never going to make that. They gave it out for free. Everybody was at in the in-flight thing or whatever. You got a copy of the the beta for free. Oh. I was like, son of a. <laughs> we should have gone to that. I it was figured thirty dollar book for free. Everybody I, like g- jumped up and like started hollering, like hell yeah, because it's a good quality book. Like it is a soft quality. Uh, it's a soft cover, really good quality book, production quality. Why'd you have to say that? Now I know. Really I'm dumb. sorry. I could have gone. Well, I see, I didn't go to that. Well, no, you had I something else planned. I had I had the Thunderstone tournament yeah. before. I would have been there for well, like an hour. Well, you designed the Thunderstone crowd, so you know, world's tiniest violin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it uses it's it's heavily draws on the Warhammer, the Fantasy it Flight, is Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Yeah. Well, I haven't I haven't played that, so I know there's a lot of stuff drawn from that. I couldn't tell you what exactly the differences are. Oh, well, just uh, mainly the dice system. But it's. Well, I, I think the stuff with like minions and henchmen and nemeses isn't there also something like that in? Uh, or, not, uh, not exactly. Anyhow, so but yes, this is Edge of the Empire. This is the first of three. There's going to be Age of Rebellion. There's going to be Force and Destiny. At this point, frankly, it's so late I can't remember if we talked about that on the podcast or not. No, we haven't. Okay, but there's there's going to be three lines. This is Edge of the Empire is the first one. It's like smugglers and fringers and stuff. The second one is going to be Age of Rebellion, which is your Rebels. The third one it's is five. Force and Destiny, which is your... Oh, Jedi. Well, yeah, but, your, but, or your whatever users, Force users are left. But, but, there but this is, is before Episode Four. Yeah, yeah, and again, this is just like the LCG. This is all set in the Rebellion era. The Force is in the role-playing game, but... The current one, the current book. In Edge of the Empire. But you have to play a Force-sensitive exile, which... Unless you've sunk a ton of XP in it, you're really bad at the Force. Yeah. Uh, it's really, you are a Force-sensitive. You're not, you never, you'll never get to the level of Jedi. Yeah, you, you they've got, basically... It's just an aspect of your character. No, you have, like, a three or less. Your, no, 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 no. Your, the, the, the highest Force rating you can possibly have is a two. Oh, a two, yeah. There. You start with the one, if you sink a hundred XP, then that's the fastest you can get to a two. And, and that's, that's what you get at the start for most of the races. And that's and that's noteworthy because when you activate your four, your three force powers, which you have to pay XP to have any access to, even in really lousy forms, are sense, and then move, which is just you know telekinetically moving things, and then influence, which is at, at the beginning is really well, yes, but but you only get to actually do just these aren't the droids you're looking for if you sunk even more experience into it. You are not Obi Wan Kenobi. No. Uh, you go. You have to go play Force and Destiny to do that. But until you've sunk that hundred points to get all the way down the talent tree to the Force rating plus one, when you activate a Force power, you get to roll one Force die for each of your Force rating, which most of the time is going to be one. The Force die is a, I think, a ten-sided die. It's twelve-sided. Twelve. Okay, so twelve-sided die. Five of the sides have some number of light side icons. 
seven of the sides have some number of dark side icons. By default, the dark side icons are completely worthless to you. So unless you are willing to give the GM resources to screw you with and take mental damage, you've got a better than 50% chance of your force use just falling on its face. Uh, do you not get to use the force points that are floating around anyways? Well, you, what you have to do is, what, what, what Mike's talking about is they have something called destiny points. Yeah. And at the start of the game, you roll the force die. That you roll one, each player rolls one. And anything no, no, that there's comes, just one roll. Oh, I thought, okay. Anybody who, anything that comes up dark side, the GM grabs. Anything that comes up light side, the players get. And during the course of the game, it's intended that you spend these back and forth, like the flow of the force. Ooh, yeah. The players can flip a light side token to dark side to produce some beneficial effect for them. The GM can flip a dark side token to the light side to produce some negative effect for the players. Well, and positive you can, effect for his guys. Typically. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you, you know, you flip them back and forth. For it, NPCs, I should if not you have, If you roll dark side points, if you want to use a dark side point to actually fuel the force power, you have to actually flip one of those destiny points from the light side to the dark side, now giving the GM the upper, you know, something else. Right. It's very... Well, but, but that's, uh, that's what they're designed to use. So no, 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 no a... yeah, but it, it's a real cost yep. if you are going to use the dark side Well, that's points. how, they, they, that's how so. they intrigue. Well, one of the most intriguing things, I think, about this is when you make your character, you are indebted in some way to criminal society, because that's what book this is. <laughs> and you have a rating that goes up and down, and you can actually take more to... Take whatever to get like extra XP. Like like debt you have to pay. Uh, debt you have to pay off. You've There's got a bounty, bounty on, on your you. head. You have some oath like Chewie with his and, life debt. And, or... and, and very much kind of like Han. You never get rid of it. It's always there. You can never get zero. The rules never let you actually entirely get rid of your obligation. And the higher the number is, the more tied you are into the crime. Yeah, and I've actually already put up a what I call on. on I guess it's on RPG Geek, but on the RPG side of Board Game Beep, I, I called it a Fringer's Primer. It's on our website. It's on the Strange Assembly website as well. So you can see basically a layout of what's in the beta and see if that would interest you. I, I like it so far. I liked the Warhammer role-playing game. Yeah. I actually had the box set, and I played it a little bit. It, it's, a, it's a really good system. This it seems less encumbered than that system, though. Yeah. It looks really good. Now I feel silly that I didn't get the free game, because... I yeah. like on Saturday we saw that at the booth and I'm like Aah! yeah uh, and I was so happy too because I also got to be all you know full of myself for like yeah I totally called it and I totally called that there were going to be multiple different lines like there are for the Warhammer 40k I don't know if there's going to be lines I reread it I think there's going to be different books but I think they're going to they're not going to quite power tier it like they did uh, I don't know 40K. I I, I think who, they are who, I think they are really not. I think there's going to be power tiers they may not be as severe right but it. It's all the same world. You you play out of different books together, which you couldn't. I imagine that they'll. I don't know why I imagine this, but I guess I I speculate that they'll keep them a little bit closer. I mean, there are rules right. differences between the three Warhammer 40k lines, although they all use the same basic system. Right. Right. But if you go with your Power Marine up against your Rogue Trader, oh, your no, Rogue no, Trader is massacre. getting massacred. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think there's going to be this. a power up. I don't know if there will be as much, but right. the reason. I kind of figure they were going to do something like that is because one of the thing, the problems that always besets Star Wars role-playing games is Jedi are supposed to be awesome. And when you see Jedi in the movies, they're not only really good at the Force, they, they do other stuff too. They're, yeah. I'm really good mechanic, and I'm really good with the Force. Or yeah. I'm, I'm good at melee combat, and I'm good with the Force, and I'm a good pilot. And, and the Force makes it better at whatever I do. Yeah, and that's a problem when you have an RPG and you're trying to balance that character with somebody else. And yep. what often happens is, if you're 
maybe not as much in the Saga edition, but in the revised edition of the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars RPG, it was very much, you're good at the Force, but you suck at everything else. To basically balance you with the usual scoundrels and stuff. And the reason I figured they were going to split it into multiple lines, because, well, they've already done that, and that kind of solves the how strong are you problem. When you're playing Force and Destiny, it's all a bunch of high-powered characters. Maybe everybody's a Jedi or a Force user or whatever. My own personal guess is that they will not do that. I think they will definitely be all playable together. I think what they're going to do is, this is really more of a role-playing role-playing game. Like It really is not a combat-y role-playing system that I saw. So I think they're going to be, you can use the Force and you'll be good, but you're going to have a lot of complications for using the Force. Like, it's going to cause you a lot of problems. This is Empire Jedi have all been hunted down era, yeah. so... Oh, hey, you just use the Force. I guess there's, like, 37 bounty hunters after you Yeah, now. basically, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now we're done with Fantasy IV, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Game Salute. I have to admit oh, I was yeah. kind of disappointed with the Game Salute booth because the Game Salute booth had something like a dozen companies <laughs> in there, but they're all the little ones. Game Salute oh, yeah. does a lot of stuff with Kickstarter. And I guess I just was thinking it was going to be more... There were things that I wanted to demo. I wanted to play Princes of the Dragon Throne, I, which is doesn't have a... which is very pre-production right now. Uh, I mean, I wanted somebody to see it. I didn't see it around the booth. They had, like, Flowerfall and something else if you actually wanted to do a demo. I wanted to see Dragon Valley, which they actually had scheduled demos of, but I would have had to have done it on Sunday on that. And I guess it's not their fault that I left. I had to leave on the morning of Sunday. Princess of the Dragon Throne is from Clever Mojo Games, and Dragon Valley is from Diamond K Games, and Flowerfall is from Asmati Games, and you were saying you played that, Kevin? I purchased it. Oh, you purchased it. Okay. Yeah, you, and I played it. It's like it. a dexterity game or something, right? It's kind of like a dexterity game. It's You basically are taking cards and dropping them onto the table and hoping they land in the right place for you. Ooh, the old castle orb. Yeah. Yeah. You are trying to con- complete these like continuous areas of green and score points. And it's a fun little game, and it co- came with a uh, bonus copy of Win, Lose, Banana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Win, Lose, or Banana. Yes. You know, the, the small booth kind of reminds me, I, I really miss cheap-ass games. I really wish they would bring them back in some... Keep a, uh, keep he's, I think James game. Ernest is working on it. Oh, I, I know he's, he's working on something, but I, like, I just I love those games. They're some of my favorite games. I'm sorry, that was complete detail, but... No, no, it, that's it just, okay. I, I have to split this into two episodes yeah. at this point. Yeah, I don't know how I could possibly not. The fantasy flight and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine it'll be no, all the, was, the, all the initial fa- stuff and then the games we played at What's Gen sad? Con. That reminds me, there's another fantasy flight game that came out and it was demoed. It, it, it's a game where you actually have to like b- bounce the die on the target it to was do like, damage. Oh, was that the Dungeon, dungeon Fighter? I saw that being demoed. I didn't play it. Yeah, it was Neither a, did I. That also had a dexterity but, but they're just distributing that. Right? That's not their game. Okay. There's like three games yeah, that came you know, out. It's, it's funny when People I, seem to be having fun demoing it. It was next to the Merchants of When Vita I talked table. to Fantasy Flight last year, it's like, are you guys looking for any new games? And I'm like, no, we're full. Yeah. Well, oh, no, yeah. yeah <laughs> well, Fantasy Flight they, they had does three not games. Yeah. submission. Uh, they, they had three games that were bundled together. They were obviously distributing from somebody else. And they had never even announced them, to the best of my knowledge. And I keep a pretty close eye on them. So. Yeah. What was the other? Oh, what was the other thing? They, they, oh, they, they have like, job uh, openings a, all the time. There's you just an, have to move up to Minnesota. There's an HBO branded version of the, oh, the 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 card game, Game of Thrones. Game LCG, of Thrones LCG. Right? It just uses the actual pictures. Uh, I looked at like Littlefinger was Littlefinger from the actual card game. 
I'm like, well, it took him long. I think the backs were different, though, so I don't know. Maybe it's being going to be sold as, like, a self-sustained thing, because it could be, being oh, the original base one. Well, I guess Fantasy Flight knows, but and they yep. probably announced, but we managed to not catch that. Okay. Sorry. Mayfair Games. Dark Ages wasn't... It's hard. No, no, that's Rio Grande. Oh, that's Rio Grande. Like, that's right, sorry. You know what? Dark Ages is the new expansion for Dominion. Katie actually likes Dominion, so I know we're going to end up getting it, so I don't even seek it out. I know we're going to end up yeah. getting it, so there's no point to me of spending the time at Gen Con. Like, I look just forward got to that, but there's so much to do at Gen Con. Yeah. If yeah. I already know I'm going to buy the game, I don't need to demo. Yeah, that's why I wanted to go buy cities, but I wasn't really going to demo for Seven Wonders. Yeah. I wasn't really going to demo. But Mayfair was very busy. I kind of wanted to try Aeroplanes, Aviations, Ascendant, which I think is kind of a riff on Automobile. I didn't get to do Aeroplanes. Ironically, I did do a demo of Automobile, but the hall was closing, so it took long enough to explain that we did, like, one turn. So you can't really learn much of anything about a game. But I did... I guess I'll use demo in very loose turns, Star Trek Catan, which you could buy at the con and get, like, Nichelle Nichols to sign it, and is actually being exclusively distributed through Target. And what... It, it's basic Catan, but with everything... Star Trek Like, rebranded, Star trek yep. And it also includes something that exists as a Catan expansion in Germany, but has never been brought over to the U.S., where you've got the different characters, and, like, you start out with one character card, and I'm, if you don't have, like, Catan, you'll go, go look on the, the wrong There's a table for that. 95, yeah. Uh, so you, you get the character, and it starts on an 8. So basically, you get to use the power twice. You use it, you flip it over to the B side, and then you use it again, and you put it back, and you get to take a new one. Some of them are pretty big, like getting to split up roads and, and, or getting to build roads without, with only one resource and uh, some really nice stuff. And they're, I don't, they're knights and such in the actual Catan thing, but they're... I'll be honest, I heard Catan, my brain shut down. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, Catan is very random me. It's, yes. it's, I mean, it, it, you it's know, a it's a gateway sort of thing. When no one will trade with you, it, it sucks. Yeah, but it yeah. was it was more interesting because I actually the guy who did the demo, his name was, and he kept telling me not to bother pronounce trying to pronounce his name right because it was German and I wasn't going to get it. But it was something like Giro. It's it's G E R O. So he's like, just pronounce it Jero. I don't care. Kind of like Nicola is like, just pronounce yeah, it Nicholas. I don't yeah. care. Like I'm I'm used to my name getting butchered. But uh, the sad thing is my handwriting is so bad. I think his last name was Zahan, but. I've written that down so badly, I can't read that. I paid so much attention to his first name. But, so he is a Catan employee, because they have, you know, Catan is, Catan is huge. Right. So he started out 15 years ago, shortly after Catan came out, he and his college buddy came up with like a sci-fi skinning of Catan, and the Catan company, <laughs> the guy who ran it, liked it enough. It ended up getting him a job as an IT guy at Catan, and then two years ago, when the question of this Star Trek license came up, he was able to like pull out this old thing from 15 years ago that he made up. He's like, "Look at this sort of thing," and so he like kind of did, I think, kind of did the reskinning of Catan to make it Star Trek Catan. So he's not like the game designer, but it was sort of interesting to get like to talk to that the guy who had been. He wasn't even at the... This is why I was able to get in on the demo. He wasn't at the Mayfair booth. They actually have... I know, you know, Mike's going to find this crazy since apparently he doesn't... You know, he, he like shuts down when Catan is mentioned. Next to the Mayfair booth, there's a booth called Catan Table. They actually make custom tables that are just for playing Settlers of Catan. <laughs> 
with the hexes built in and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that they had there was a bunch of couches. Well, there was one couch and two chairs around one of these tables, and he was sitting there doing that. And so he probably would have just been swamped if he was at the actual Mayfair booth, which is as always swamped. I think I left with a wood and a clay, which gets you nothing. I, I walked into the Mayfair playroom, free playroom or whatever. They had a gigantic, literally walk-on-it version of, like, United States Settlers of Catan. I just... Settlers of America, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think that's it for new things that I cared about for... Did anybody get the chance to do anything with Mice and Mystics from Plat Hat Games? No, I, 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 I we, went to, we watched it like for a couple of minutes. We walked but... by it, and there was a bunch of people, and we didn't want to wait in line. I, I mean, and... I like their other games, so. I mean, Summoner's Wars is really good. Uh, I actually like Dungeon Run. I think it's kind of fun. I haven't played that yet. It's, yeah. it's Summoner Wars, but it, you, you go in to find a summoning stone, which okay. you, uh, and then at that point, that person who has a summoning stone is now... Everybody's trying to gank him. Oh, yeah, I played that game. I hated it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, then. Let's see. Privateer Press, in addition to the Iron Kingdom RPG and all their other stuff, had several new games. I Level 7 is probably the bigger one. Well, they had Heap and Infernal Contraption, and then they had Level 7. Well, Infernal Contraption wasn't new. Oh, wasn't it? No, Infernal Contraption is like five years old. They actually there was ju- a new they... version of it? New no, 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 of about it, six months ago. There was a reprint of it and its expansion in a new oh, box. Hmm. Uh, Heap is in the same line. It's the bottom okay, line. I thought, but yeah, so I I was able to play part of a demo of level seven, and then I had to go for I don't I think meet up with you for some reason, Mike. I can't remember why. This is when we were still working out whatever yeah. the heck we were doing with the housing on Friday. Yep. Oh, it was okay. It's a. It's very gloomy, man. You've been kidnapped by the government, which has been performing secret experiments on aliens. So, so, let, so it's called Level 7 Escape. So you are starting in this very claustrophobic, tight space. And there's you and some other escapees. And as the game goes on, like aliens show up. And on your board, you have an adrenaline level. You're, or you have a fear level, which is more and more adrenaline. And as it goes up... Your physical attributes increase and your mental attributes can go down. And if you get really calm, then your mental attributes can go up and your physical attributes can go down. But the aliens can, like, smell the your the fear. fear and go after you. And They have a YouTube video of live action. It, it, it's a demo for this game or whatever. It was super terrible. It was <laughs> really bad. I, I, the only reason I know is because I, I follow Matt Wilson on Twitter. Matt D. Wilson is one of the guys who found in Privateer Press. He did a lot of the art. Actually, did a lot of the early art for L5R. Um, yeah, and oh, that's he, the same. So that he founded Privateer Press? Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I like Matt Wilson. I'm like, I know him from drawing L5R cards. Yep. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I think I got it from Wikipedia. He helped to design the original world for L5R, and then he went over to Wizards of the Coast to be an art director for a few years, and then he went and did Privateer Press. Um, anyway, so he's very much involved with that, so he tweet- tweeted that, and I went and watched it, and I was like, Matt Wilson, I love everything else you've done, so I will forgive you for this video. <laughs> it was that level of terrible. I, I guess if, it's, if you, it's, you're okay with it being campy, it's, but it, you remember the video that came with Dungeon Strike? The, no. the the one the, the D and D kind of boardish game and it came with it was a VHS I think and uh, it had like this guy was a scorpion and it was just really terrible it was that level of bad. Yeah, well, speaking of that level of bad, Steve Jackson Games had three more Munchkin expansions. Fuck. Uh, 
So Stronghold games, like there's, they're coming out with an expansion for Core World. So that's which, all this feedback. <laughs> 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 Um, Core World, yeah, I, I didn't even know they had that. I didn't even see anything about like, it, but I, it's not there. I thought maybe they had a demo copy, but I have to admit, I just kind of missed their booth when I was doing my run. I saw it, but I didn't see any. Kind All right, so did I, yeah, I don't know if they actually had it there or I, I didn't or see not, it. but that's the same. Yeah, and I didn't. They had some kind of space cadet stuff, I think, outside the hall. But again, I don't know if they had anything in the hall. I just like anything they that had was it a, in one other game, but I didn't see what I, I just walked anything by that it. was a ticketed demo. I really only had possibly as a to-do on Sunday, which then just didn't happen. I really wish they would have, like, a demo section when you're going to buy Gen Con tickets so that you could actually, oh, here are the demo stuff that I want to, you know, go and look for. Otherwise, yeah. you have to know the game is coming out and know it's, like, whatever. It, it would be nice. Yeah, well, I I got by on the Board Game Geek geek list of the, like, uh, the official, gen, that were official for them. Gen Con geek list. Because if you just try and do it by the tickets, it's it's not going to work. Oh yeah, it's no, hundreds no, that's, of pages. I mean, that's, literally, that, that's where I got this. I mean, I have, I I got this from Board Game Geek, and it's basically two and a half pages of seen, a list of publishers and a list of new stuff. That have was, you seen the High Programmer website? No. I'm gonna have to show you. It's a yeah. it's a it's a scheduling website for for Gen Con. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. That's what but I. This used. is my my biggest problem with Gen Con. Is I always felt like I had a lot of wasted time that I wanted to fill in. Wouldn't it be great if you could like walk up to a booth and they always had that demo open for you right then when yes, you wanted it? That would be fantastic. In the magical, wonderful universe of no, making I, things I, up. I want to leave myself open time, but I, I would still would like to schedule a little bit better. Yeah, I got to very hurriedly play. This is sort of be the theme apparently of my demos. I got to play Seven Sisters, but again, it was like the end of the day and we were kind of rushing through it. That's the one about. Like the, each of the sisters is a different deadly sin. Yes. Yeah. Each of the sisters is a different deadly sin. It's it's very much a Euro I'm game. You're just, trying, you're, <laughs> you're just trying. Yeah. Well, you're just trying to get influence with the sisters, and so you have you have some number of cubes, and you have cards, and each card has a primary sister and a secondary sister, and you get to put two in two of your influence cubes on the primary, and then you can spend fruit. I'm not sure what the mechanical connection is, but you have fruit and you have gold coins. And the fruit lets you put out more influence tokens when, which represent your servants going and you know plying them with whatever. And the ultimate objective is that whoever can gain the most influence over all the sisters can influence the king. And, and then you can spend a fruit to put an influence token on the secondary sister on the card, and then you can spend a second fruit to put a fourth influence token on either primary or the secondary. And you've got stuff like the wrath, the sister that's wrath, Whoever wins her gets to pick another sister, and then at the end of this round, Wrath will throw a temper tantrum, <laughs> and all the influence tokens will get chased off, because whoever whoever wins each sister each round, each scoring round, all of their influence tokens go back to their... They actually go... You have an active pool, and then you have an inactive pool, and they all go back to your inactive pool unless you... And what the primary thing that gold does is you can keep your... You can have your influence tokens go back to your active pool instead of your inactive pool, but so... Whoever wins this round is going to win, but then the, all the people who were failed to gain influence are going to get chased off as well by Wrath. Gluttony gets you more fruit. Whoever wins her gets five. Anybody who shows up gets two. Greed gets you gold coins. Lust gets you more servants. Uh, Sloth doesn't get you anything in and of herself, but if you win a sister for the round, you get a chit, basically, that's I won the sister for the round. Each one is worth a victory point at the end of the game. Well, the sloth tokens are the tiebreaker. 
whoever has she doesn't do anything right there, but whoever has the most sloth tokens wins ties. So that sounds if, interesting. Yeah, so if in the third round, if there's a tie for gluttony, like you both have four influence tokens there. If I have two sloth tokens and you have one, I win. And then there's what pride, pride and envy. What did I cannot remember what pride did, but envy lets you after you won envy. Envy would let you suck in influence tokens from somewhere else so you could disrupt someone else's plan. I don't know. So that was interesting. But again, like, so rushed. Not that they can do anything about it. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the dealer hall closes at 6. I, yeah. The guy really wanted to get the demo in, but I wish I had more time. Uh, and Wizards of the Coast, I thought, might have Dungeon, but like they don't even put anything in their booth anymore. No. There was always a line. Yeah, they have a whole they... bunch of events. They don't put anything in the yeah, dealer well, booth. Yeah, well, the big thing that Wizards was doing, in addition to their seminars on D&D Next, was, I guess it's yet again the year of the draw. I guess it's always the year of the draw, but men's and brands. And so you could go through, you could go through this sequence of events. I don't know if it, I only saw it on Sunday. I don't know if it was on other days. But like you got went to their booth and got a D4, and then you went to the little room where you could do a little contest and then you'd get the d6 and then i think if you played through something else then you'd get the d8 what's really funny about this is that i pronounce that race drow i used you to but pro- i you pronounce it drow correct? which is something completely different yes i thought that's how you pronounced it now i like i, I, I look know. at I it know. and i think drow but if, if they're the drow I, elves i find that I, incredibly amusing i thought you pronounced it emo well, that, <laughs> yeah, that too I thought you pronounced it has spell resistance is therefore broken. <laughs> so you go into the wizard's booth and you can get the D4 and then there's a couple of stations where you could sit down and play Dungeons and Dragons online and then you go into this big open area where there's nothing but a giant statue of a drider, a glulf as a drider. And, and then there's a little itty bitty tiny shop section and I think there were some tables that at some point they were, but like, uh, I mean, there just wasn't much of anything. You'd expect to see something. I guess they don't need to. They don't need to because they, they have Everybody like the else. biggest tournaments. The magic is running 24-7 yeah, at like, that convention. Yeah, magic has its own vast and every, section. And everybody else is already selling their products for them. Yeah. You, you sell magic just by comparing everything else to magic, honestly. They, they don't need to sell it anymore. Um, I don't know, but we are looking forward to D&D next. I have to say, I don't did, know when we're going to play. Did any of you guys get any... Info about D and D next? Yeah, I did. Uh, I I went to. Uh, I completely forgot about this when I was talking about my days because I we got went ran long and I just kind of. Bleh. But one of the things I did is I went to a D and D next. Um, you could actually they had the sessions where you could. It was like mm-hmm. an hour long session. They put the play. Pa- they put the pack out on Monday, um, and it basically has character creation on top of some more adventuring, and you could you can play characters up to like level five. And it, it gave some new features, had some um, some things they fixed. Actually, in the middle of the, the con, they, they announced something else, so that the um, the wizard that they have right now is mostly Vinci and Magic with, a, like, a couple of cantrips. But they're like, you know, some people like Vinci and Magic, some people don't like Vinci and Magic. Um, but to be clear, Vinci and Magic is the system where you forget get spells. up in the morning and remember, prepare oh, okay. a certain number of spells, and then forget them when you cast yeah. them. So that's that's mostly what he is. So he announced at the um, future of D and D thing that they're 
they put out they re put out that playtest, but now there's also the wizard and sorcerer, and they're getting reworked. So all three of those normal type of magic systems are available to you just in different classes. So there's going to be spell point system. There's going to be more of a sorcerer system, and there's going to be a wizard system. Yeah, well, and then the, like the cleric is, I think, something else entirely where you choose X number of spell. Like if you have four fourth level spell slots, you choose four fourth level spells that have been prepared. But right. then those spells don't have any relation to the spell slots anymore. You can cast one spell four times, a different spell four times. This three and one, or I don't know. Like I don't know. Like in addition to all the board games we play, so. Mike kind of wants to run Edge of the Empire. Yeah. I've been planning to run Rise of the Rune Lords for Pathfinder. The other thing that we I forgot about because my list is all board games is the Second City box set came yeah. out, which has its own campaign in it. So there's just not enough time in the world. Um, just quit your job. That'll give you then I can't of buy the games anymore. Well, you can do the games. We'll just buy all the games and then quit your game. So, um, so my experience the D&D Next playtest, I made a human warrior. I was like, let me just do the fastest thing that I can. Because I'd read some of it, but I hadn't a read warrior? all of it. What's a warrior? I only know what a fighter, fighter is. Oh, whatever. Um, so I play <laughs> a human a warrior. Warrior is an NPC, NPC class. Yes. yes, and they suck. I, I, I play a human <laughs> FU. Um, I played a human fighter. So mine was pretty fast to put together. They give you packs. It makes it super fast to make your character, like super, super fast to make your character. Um, we get, so the first like half hour, they had a sit and they had printouts of the copies and uh, you sat and you made your character. You, you actually rolled stats and then immediately after we were done with our characterization, because this is like 1 p.m. on Thursday, so this is really early that they, you know, they just started running this. As soon as we were done rolling, they, they handed out these things. Okay, we want you to use these set ability scores, because it's going to make it go faster or whatever. We, I think we had one guy who rolled two fours or two fives, because D&D Next oh, has gone back to, you typically... 46 you drop one? 46 drop one as the default, but you can use this certain grid or whatever. What um, was the problem with rolling stats? So, I uh, rolled... This is why I always do I rolled... Point by. Yeah, point I got by. a 16, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, which is stupidly good. That yeah. it's and One of the random different things about this, if I'm not mistaken, is that you can never have a stat over 20. Uh, not like, starting. No, I think when I'm reading the playtest packet, because I, I didn't do anything out of Gen Code, but I got that. Like I, The way I got it was that it sounded like every X levels you got to increase a stat, and even with those level-based stat increases, could not go over 20. Well, I don't mean... Which well, I actually like, because really, if you're a wizard, you just want to keep sucking it into... Just drum, dumping it into intelligence right. until you got... Well, like, and it goes now along, it forces you to spend it. Well, spend well, it, it, it goes along with another thing, um, which I don't know how much people are paying attention to the D&D next thing. So one of the things that they're going to do, if you have previous experience with D&D, is they're doing bounding. So instead of you adding, like, level bonuses or whatever to your levels, uh, to your plus to hit, to your AC, whatever, it makes a lot of problems because a 15th level fighter versus a first level fighter, the first level fighter can't even touch the 15th level fighter. Like, it's impossible. Um, unless you roll a 20. You have to roll the natural 20. Yeah, you have yeah. to roll a natural 20. It's not entirely impossible, but fe feasibly impossible. This is... Like, if I get a plus two to my sword, that's never going to go up. My, my stat bonuses are never going to go up. It's just going to be where it is. And HP is going to go up, but AC will not. So that way, the enemies never get, uh, they never get outdated. So the five goblins might not be a challenge for your party anymore, but 25 goblins might be more of an appropriate challenge. Because they're not going to do as much damage to you guys, because they, they 
uh, you know, they can't whittle away your health or whatever. And it, so that's why the 20 might get bounded like that. You might get capped. So anyway, so, so my experience uh, was me and like five other ranged people. We go through... Tank! Yes, basically. I didn't even tank, because everybody was ranged. There was a hobbit who was, it was like two mages, a cleric... Now, 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 J.R.R. Tolkien's estate has made it very clear that you can't call them hobbits. You have to call oh, them oh, sorry, halflings. halflings. <laughs> yes, yes. So, th- so there was a halfling rogue, and I'm like, great, this is going to be a guy, so I-, I won't be the only one in melee. He's going to stabby-stabby in the back. Right. So, so it gets to him, because I load really Sling. low. I, 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 three, I like rolled like a three initiative. Sling. I'm like, <laughs> so like everything has died by the time I get over to it. And I can get to it in like a turn. I, I, I like finish off the one thing. I'm like, this is how the rest of this encounter is going to go, isn't it? But no, I, I was actually very happy because the, uh, the fighting expertise that they just added to the playtest is you get a die. And basically in the base level playtest at level one, you can add that D6. You get a D6 at the start of each turn. You can add it to do more damage when you swing on somebody or you after somebody attacks you. You can, uh, if you're using like a shield, you can uh, roll the d6 and subtract that from the damage that they do to you. So I didn't take any damage the entire run. Well, which doesn't really sound like a balanced system. Maybe the no, no, it was uh, okay. Okay, if 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 you get to negate it, all the damage being dealt against you at first level, that's probably not optimal. So the third, the third encounter where we actually had like we had three or four actual battle encounters. We only had an hour to run through this whole thing. So we get to the last boss or whatever. My, f- I only have 11 hit points, uh, or like 13 hit points. As the warrior with a fortitude to get more hit points, I have 13 hit points base. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was going full tank. Uh, one of my, one of the mage players had five hit points. Oh no, no, yes, it is D and D. You do not have so a lot of hit points at the first boss, level. Uh, the boss finally went because we were clearing out his minions. The boss finally went. He, the major, ran up to get a whole bunch of people in his AOE. The boss shot him with his bow and did triple his life and damage. <laughs> well, thankfully, in this game, you actually just drop to zero instead of getting insta-gibbed or anything. But uh, so, yeah, uh, I think there is some balancing. To it. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it's the, too the fighters, fast. The fighters, for me to tell. generally, yeah, they're, the fighters now get to choose from fighter styles, and you have an expertise die, and the fighter styles basically give you different ways to spend yeah. your expertise die, which might be yeah reducing your damage. There's depending on what you choose in the full playtest packet. There's one that lets you like even if you miss, you get to roll like the d6 and deal that much damage, right. like well, with a glancing I, blow. And I think it's intended to spice up the fighter, it is. so that's, it's more comparable to the wizard. S- specifically, it was in response to feedback they got from the first playtest. Everybody's like, the fighter is super boring. So well, even that's, before they... that's always been. I mean, like that. The fighter right. swings his sword every turn while the wizard gets to look at the big giant spell I mean, list. I liked and... it because it made I, I had to I had to pay attention. I, honestly, we had six people, and I did not feel like the encounter was really tuned for six people. I felt like it was tuned for like four or five people, maybe. So we were kind of over. It was really just, hey, here's how our system works. Get you through in and out. Um, but I I really really liked it. I also watched through the um, I watched through the uh, thing they put on the online. Where they went through the future in D and D, you can find that online. But it, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, so that that can come out, and then we can add that to the list of things that it would be nifty to do, like well, some serious well, role playing in the, the biggest. Yes, I, I like that system That's a lot. Supposed to be out before the end of the year, too, no. right? Oh no, they pushed it. No, back they or... they talked about it. They're like, okay, so how long is this going to go? He's like, at the current rate that we are play testing, we will be play testing this for two more years. 
Oh, that's good, actually. Yes, that's yeah. good. everybody one, cheers. Really I don't. Good. Yeah, I don't need another RPG right now. Right. And when they announced it earlier this year, that was like we're going to have it out by the end of the year, which was like, oh my god. No. Yeah. Uh, no. No. He's like, uh, um, how was it? Mike Merles. He's like, we are giving this the time it needs because we do not want to rush it. We want to get it right. We want to get everybody's feedback. We want this to be the definitive edition. You know, I hope for the. <laughs> Well, not the definitive edition, but they, they want it to be... They want to get out of the way. They want I, the I hope, in the... for their sake, that it does well. Yeah. Because no one is going to buy any D&D books until this comes out. Yeah. The, the sales of 4th edition have got oh, to just be destroyed right now. That was now. one of the other things they actually announced, though. Um, starting, I think, like almost immediately after the convention... They're No, no, starting at the beginning of next year, they're going to finally offer digital sales of all of their books. But not just 4th edition, the entire run of everything D&D. They're going to offer digital versions, finally. Yeah, because I think they had a brief foray into that before and then yanked them all or, or mm-hmm. pulled something back like that. or something. You can't get them currently. Yeah. In fact, the guy who was, help, who was like demoing, helped doing the D&D Next demo, made a comment about, uh, he's like, well, you got the PDFs, but you know they won't actually release their PDFs for the real game books. So. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. God, I hope the answer to this is no. Are there any games that we haven't talked about that we need to talk about? We need to talk about Netrunner some more, right? <laughs> Wait, that could show up next, next episode. episode or yeah. Seven episodes from now, or however long it is to edit this monstrosity on top <laughs> yeah. of Gen Con, Gen Con interviews. No? That, Chris. Thank God. God. Okay. For Michael Cook, Jay Earl, and Kevin Kennedy, I'm Chris Stevenson. We are totally done talking about Gen Con. Squeak. (laughs) You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter. Strange Assembly, either place. Thanks for listening. He knows how to do a fist bump. <laughs> uh, fist bump. Fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> go, go teach him the important skills. <laughs> I, uh, my cousin Alex actually taught him oh, how to do okay. that. I like your cousin. Oh, no, 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 no.